So we are in a series called Jesus at the Center, and we are actually coming to the conclusion. I've got this message, and then next weekend we have one final message in this series. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. We as a teaching team have absolutely enjoyed it. Here are the things that we have covered. Jesus at the Center. We've talked about him being our wisdom, our righteousness, our healer, our holiness, our freedom, our peace, our redemption, and our friend. If you haven't listened to all of those messages and any one of those pique your interest, go to shinechurch.life and you can find it there or go to our YouTube channel, look up Shine Church CEO for Colorado and you can uh, catch the ones that you've missed. We have truly enjoyed it because in a world that is just chaotic right now, that is just, I, I said a couple weeks ago, it's just a hot mess, yes? Um, in the middle of that, we have to make Jesus our center. We have to put him at the center of our lives. And in these areas, here's what's great about this. In these areas that we've been discussing, what I have begun to just really, and I, I knew this, but man, I'm just, you know how you know something, but then you get to know it even more. And that is this, Jesus is these things for us. It's not about what we do or how we have to strive for it. It's the fact that he died. He paid the price. He became our holiness. He became our redemption. He became our righteousness. He is the one that has done all the work. And all we have to do is open our hearts and our hands and say, Jesus, come into our lives. Yes? And so what I have done when I get the chance to teach is I have used 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31 to be kind of the foundation of what I've been teaching. Let me read that to you. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And so we've done a message on the wisdom, on righteousness, on holiness, on redemption. Then it goes on and says this, therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And so today, what I want to talk about is Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our Lord. Now, um, just a show of hands real quick. How many of you have heard a message where somebody will teach that Jesus is your Savior, but then they go on and say, hey, don't just leave Jesus as being Savior, but Jesus is also or needs to also be your Lord? How many of you have ever heard a message like that? Yep, most everybody that has been in church, because I think that's a very important and essential uh, teaching that we need to grab a hold of, that not only is Jesus our Savior, but he is our Lord as well. My hope, though, today is that I'm going to change your perception and your perspective on what that means, Jesus being your Lord, okay? And so, um, I'm going to start, though, with a little interactive piece. If you're new to the church, I will ask a question, and I actually hope that people will uh, give responses and give answers to that. So, uh, Kim, I don't, Kim, I don't see Peter, so would you mind grabbing the mic real quick um, so we can pass that around? So here is the question. When you hear Jesus needs to be your Lord, Jesus needs to be your Lord, make Jesus not only Savior, but your Lord. When you hear that, what actually comes to mind? What, what do you think when I say Jesus is Lord? And so if you just lift up your hand and come all the way back here. So it's, you know, Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, you know, you got to think of him maybe Lord, but also teacher, you know, if you want to be his disciple and follow his teachings as well as, you know, you, you hear about him, but you want to like a student learns from their teacher and then they follow and act out what they've learned. So Love that. That's, that's really good. So teacher, not just Lord, but teacher. Yep. Color. Oh, you're going to run the mic. Okay. Somebody else over here. That um, he's also our creator. Um, you know, we talk about the Trinity, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we often preach about them being separate entities, but they're also one. Yeah. Like, Jesus was there during creation. He was part of creation. He was part of the design for everything, and he is 
the respect, the love, the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, yeah. gentleness, and self-control. He is the embodiment of what the Bible teaches us to be and to represent. Love it. Okay. That's good. Really good. All right. Somebody else. There you go, Kylie. That's right. Running the mic. That's what we wanted. Right there, Kylie. Just super simply, he is who I follow. Okay. I follow him because he is my Lord. Okay. I think it has to do with relationship and having an intimate relationship with him and also being obedient to his guidance and direction. Relationship and obedience. That's good. I think it has to do with uh, who's your master, and it has to do with submission. Master? And and humbling yourself, it says, submit, therefore, to God. Okay. That's good. And I think, too, just to tie into what they were saying is, um, for me, is to be 100% vulnerable. Wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I just want to be your servant today. I just want to be led, guided, and directed by you. Mm. So fill my spirit so that I know where to go. Okay. Really good. Anybody else? Okay. If you do a word study, and uh, you can do this at home all by yourself, just go to BibleHub.com. I know I've been saying that since we started the church, but I just go to BibleHub. And uh, for this study, I actually just typed in the word Lord. Here's something interesting. Um, as you type it in, you know, you can pick, pick Old Testament, New Testament. And so I picked the entire Bible and I typed in Lord. And I'm just going to ask you just a quick question. How many times do you think the word Lord is used in our Bible? Anybody want to give a guess? 2,000, Okay. A thousand? Anybody else? 777, the perfect 777. Okay. Back, look it up. Go to Bible Hub. Look it up. See if I'm telling the truth or not. Over 8,500 times. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, son. Over 8,500 times. Now, if it's used that many times in the Word of God, how many of you know it's probably uh, important for us to understand what it means? Would you agree? And these answers were good, and they've captured pieces and parts, um, but I want to pull apart in the New Testament what Lord actually means, okay? So I looked it up in the New Testament alone. And again, just in the New Testament, it's used over 900 times alone, just in the New Testament. There was two words that really jumped out that I think pertain to this message of Jesus being Lord. I want to uh, describe both of the words, and then I'm going to ask you guys which one you think when I say not only make Jesus your Savior, but make him your Lord is the one that is, is used, okay? Here's the two Greek words. Translated... As Lord in English, the first one is curious, which means this, Lord, Master, Sir, properly, a person exercising absolute ownership rights, denotes an owner exercising full rights, supreme in authority by implication, Master, as a respectful title, okay? The second one is Lord. The Greek word is despotes, or despotes, and it means this, lord, master, prince, properly an authority figure, master, who exercises complete jurisdiction and wields unrestricted power. Implies someone exercising unrestricted power and absolute dominion, confessing no limitations or restraints, an absolute ruler. Okay, which one, number one or number two, when people teach Jesus needs to be your Savior and he needs to be your Lord, which word do you think, number one or number two, is being referenced at that point? Two, two, two. Oh, I love that you guys answered that because you know which one it is? 
number one. It's number one. And I want you to get this because this is hugely important. When we say Jesus be our Lord, it is not coming at a Lord that is saying, I am the absolute ruler. I have absolute dominion. As a matter of fact, that word is used in the New Testament only 10 times. Four of them in relation to a master and a slave. The other six do refer to God as Lord, but nowhere in the context of us making him Lord. The other word is used 722 times. And what it means is a person exercising absolute ownership right, an owner exercising full rights. And so before I even really get into this, I want you to understand that as we are talking about this, we need to have the right foundation of where we are starting when we say Jesus be Lord. Yes? Foundation's important, yes? And so uh, I asked the teaching team, what do you think it means when we say Jesus be our Lord? And I'm going to share throughout the message. DJ said this, and, and last week he talked about Jesus, our friend. And so listen to see if you can hear two days later where he's still coming from. This is his reply. A voluntary decision to trust and honor. Friendship feeds honor. I totally agree. And so that's where I'm going to start today. I'm going to start from DJ's message last week. I'm going to read the same section of scripture that he read. John 15, 12 through 15. says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, here's what's interesting. Where it says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. The word master there is Lord. Person exercising absolute ownership rights. That's the word Lord there. Jesus wanted us to understand that we have a relationship with him and we no longer have to relate to him as master and a servant, servant to a master. But he wants us to relate to him as friends. And so when we come to him and say, Jesus, be our savior and be our Lord, it has to be from a, of, of a foundation of friendship. Yes? Because I think most of the time, people think it's from that, oh, he is this gray-haired, gray-beard, austere, angry, absolute ruler that is demanding certain things from us, demanding perfection from us. And if that's the foundation when we say, Jesus be Lord, nothing in me wants to do that. Yes? Am I alone? But when we come to somebody who's a friend who can exercise absolute ownership rights, is there not something in our heart that goes, hey, I because of what you have done for me, because of the things that you have served me in and how you've served me, then it is my greatest joy and my greatest desire to say, hey, be my Lord. Boy, it's so important to understand the foundation of this. Give you a second to think. Did I get you thinking? I, I know we didn't have worship. But man, I hope that you get this because this is so key. It's so important to understand. It's so important to grab a hold of in your heart because you have a father and a friend. Okay, He calls you friend. And yes, we are to make him our Lord, but we need to have a really good understanding of the foundation of where that comes from. All right, Rob Painter and Marcus, um, I'm going to use their definition or what comes to mind. Rob said, one who has supreme authority of your life. And that absolutely is in that Greek word and part of that. Marcus said, authority of all things. And then he goes, he goes um, it's actually an understanding that we don't get to vote. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so profound. Because yes or no, we live in a country where we get to vote on the things that we want to see happen or not happen. We get the right to actually vote for these things. And unfortunately, the freedom that we have in this country has translated into bad relationship with God. Because when God tells us that he would like us to do something, we throw up our hand and say, can I vote? 
Can I vote on that? And if we don't like it, we vote by going, ah, I don't like it, and so I'm not going to step out in that. And the problem is then we are losing the life that God wants us to have. He knows what's best for you, but if you think he's angry at you and he's asking you to do things because of where you've fallen short, then you're gonna be on the wrong foundation and of course you're gonna say no. But if you understand you have a friend that has your best interest in mind, when he speaks something to you, you won't be like, I need to vote whether I wanna do that. You'll be like, oh, I know that you have the best intentions for me and I will absolutely move that way. Do you see the difference? 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. How are you doing in this area? Are you revering Christ as Lord? And that word Lord, again, not absolute ruler, but somebody who is exercising ownership rights. You break that word revere, and here's other meanings for that word. Worship. But in your hearts, worship Christ as Lord. How are you doing? Where's your worship going towards? Honor Christ as Lord. Sanctify, set apart, regard, dedicate your lives, have reference. Exalt the Messiah as Christ the Lord. Consecrate Christ the Lord. That's all the different words in English that that Greek word means. And so what Peter is asking us to do is put our hearts in a position where we honor Christ as the owner of all things. Okay, let's talk about this real quick. Here's my struggle, and I found myself and and find myself even this morning struggling to to give this message because I I grew up in a society and in a place where the ownership of my life is mine. Yes? Anybody else struggle with that? Hey, I'm about to tell you that you don't have any rights because Jesus paid the price for you. Couple amens. But not like a shout out like, oh yeah, I'm owned by God. But here's the truth, church. God owns it all. If you look up the word God in the Greek, it means creator and owner of all things. Guess what? You fit in under all things. He created you. He knew you in your mother's womb. He knows what he has planned for you. He knows the number of hair on your head. He owns you. We live in a time and a society where this has a very negative connotation. As a matter of fact, I could probably pull up a YouTube show saying, I own you, and it would be not good, right? People getting you know, dunked on or people getting blocked, you know, just all kinds of different things where it's just, it just doesn't have a very positive, oh, yeah, I'm owned. And it's, it's a struggle literally to actually speak this to you, but here's the truth. God, creator of all things, owner of all things. He owns us and he has from the inception of creation. But here's what's so incredible about our father God. Not only does he own everything, but we messed it up. And so he sent Jesus to buy it again. He paid for it twice. Man, get this. This is how important you are. This is how valuable you are. God not only owned it all, but then he sent Jesus to pay for it again so that we could have this relationship. And when you grab a hold of that, I hope you have this understanding. Oh my gosh, I'm double bought. <laughs> and because of that, you go, you know what? Jesus, be my Lord. You are owner. And I want you to be owner of everything in my life. It starts with salvation. Absolutely starts with salvation. Um, we need to give our hearts and our lives to the Lord. Invite him in. But then after that, it goes into every compartment of our life. And I want you to understand that when you get a hold of this, 
and you get off of get away from the pride of wanting to own your own life and you give it over to him guess what jesus said i came to not only give life but i came to give it in abundance how do you get abundant life? You give ownership over to him in every area of your life. Now, I wish I could say I was perfect in this, but I told the teaching team, I'm 77 one-hundredths of giving it to the Lord. <laughs> Making numbers up totally, but how about you? We compartmentalize our lives, and we're good in certain areas, but in other areas, we take the ownership, yes? I asked Janelle, what does it mean when say Jesus is Lord? This is what she came up with. I love this. Lovers, or sorry, lover of real dummies. Lord, lover of real dummies. Now, just so you know, I'm not calling you a dummy. Janelle's not calling you a dummy. You're calling yourself a dummy. I'm a dummy. I am. I absolutely am a dummy. And God loves me. Yes? A little bit later in that section of scripture in John, it says this. Jesus tells the disciples, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. That word master, Lord. It's one of the 722 times. Lord, a servant is not greater than his owner that is exercising absolute ownership rights. Get the picture of this. Then she said this. A master has absolute access to the servant. Yes? Does God have absolute access to your heart? Does he? Or are you holding things aside that you're keeping on your own and not giving that ownership over to the Lord? Oh, get this, guys. When we filter an understanding of this absolute ownership and we give it to the Lord, listen to how this scripture starts to come alive. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. Very familiar scripture for all of you. If you've ever been in church at all, you've heard this verse or these verses. But whenever anyone turns to the person exercising absolute ownership rights, the Lord, the veil is taken away. All right, church, let's go. Listen to what this verse says. If you give certain segments of your life over to the one who owns it already, you say, hey, I'm not going to own it anymore, but I'm giving it over to you, God. When you do that, the promise is the veil is taken away. The thing that you're worried about, the thing that you can't get rid of in regards to anxiety, the thing that you are just consumed by, maybe, maybe you're bound up by, those things can be revealed or lift, the veil can be lifted off of you if you give your heart and the ownership to the Lord. My wife's testimony, some of you have heard it, my wife's testimony is that the enemy was deceiving her, deceiving her, and finally at a church service, she gave her heart to the Lord. She walked up to the front, and as she walked up, she could see things being lifted from her. And her vow was, I will never stop telling people about the goodness of God and the deceiver and how he deceives us. See, here's what the enemy does. He tells you that you have to own these things. And then you, when you take that burden, you carry that weight. You carry that heaviness. And Jesus said, no, I didn't come to give you that weight, that burden. I came to give you life and life in abundance. And what this is saying is that when we turn to the Lord, the owner, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord, the one exercising absolute ownership, is the spirit. And where the spirit of the one who exercises absolute ownership ownership is, there is what? Freedom. What? Freedom. How many of you want freedom? Well, let me ask it the other way. How many of you want to be bound up? How many of you love staying up all night and worry and anxiety? Nobody's lifting their hands. And yet, every, someone, every single one of us in this room have had nights like that, yes or no? And when we turn to the Lord and give God the ownership in that area, my submitting to you is this, that when we do that, the veil is taken away and freedom comes into your life. Jesus be Lord. Jesus be Lord. Goes on and says, and we all 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the one who exercises absolute ownership, his glory. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the one who exercises absolute ownership rights in our lives, who is the Spirit. And so here's what's super encouraging from this scripture to me, is that when we go to the Lord and we give ownership of a certain area of our life, the veil in that area is taken away. There's freedom that is replaced, and we become more like Christ and we are transformed into his image as we give each one of these little areas. And here's the really good news. It's a process, church. God's not asking you to be 100% perfect and changed right now, right here, today. But what he is saying is, will you give ownership for this little area? And will you let me take the veil away? Will let me, let me give you freedom? And will, let, will you let me transform? I'm speaking so fast, I can't even keep up with myself. Will you let me transform you? Ownership piece by ownership piece by ownership piece. This is incredibly encouraging for me because it's all about going step by step and not being perfect right now today. It's a process. It's a maturing process. And I hope that's encouraging for you as you hear this. I want to read another um, section of scripture that's incredibly familiar to us. Again, in the light of the ownership piece and a master that's exercising ownership rights or Lord. Romans 10, 9 through 13. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is owner of all things, exercising his rights. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Okay, so this is the common scripture that is used. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in, God, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. This is the salvation experience. Many times we just stop there and we don't continue to read. Let's continue to read. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Okay. Let's talk for a minute. Anybody ever felt shame in here? Yes, I know we all have. There are times where we feel that. I would submit to you this, that if there is an area in your life where you have felt shame, it is a good litmus test to me that you haven't given ownership to the Lord in that area. It says right here, anyone who believed in him will never be put to shame. I would say this, anyone that would put him as owner of this particular area of their life, you will not be put to shame in that area. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same, now, now get, get what, what Paul is doing here. The same owner who exercises absolute ownership rights is... The owner who exercises absolute ownership rights. <laughs> I, I, he, he's trying to, hey, you are, you are not your own. You are owned. The same Lord is Lord of all. Everybody say all. all. Are you included in that? Okay. As much as you might not like to say that, you are included in that. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I know we use this for salvation and the fact that um, it, it, our eternal destiny is hinged on, base, on the basis of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, right? And I totally get that. But I would submit to you that it goes beyond just a salvation experience. But we are talking about an ownership thing here. Are we giving ownership rights over to the Lord who absolutely is owner of our lives and everything in it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Church, listen. I think we've taught this wrong. We teach people, make Jesus your savior, and then we give a follow-up message and say, make Jesus your Lord. Hey, guess what? It doesn't matter whether you make him Lord or not. He is Lord. Whether you want to admit that, acknowledge that, 
or embrace that. The bottom line is he is Lord. He owned it from the very beginning of time. And then he paid for it again through his son, Jesus. I was telling DJ about this, and this is, DJ goes, man, that reminds me of a story that my dad told me when I was a boy so that I would understand that. And, and here's the story. A father and son came together, and they put together a, a cool little boat, and they made it out of wood that they had collected, and they make this little boat, and then one day it rains. And so they decide, hey, let's try this boat out. And so where the water would go down the gutter, they would put it, and the boat would just go cruising down and it worked so good and so they would let it go and they'd pick it back up and they'd bring it and they'd let it go well one time they let it go and the water was rushing so fast that they couldn't catch up to it and it went into the gutter and they lost it and so of course the boy was devastated a couple days later the dad comes home and says hey you got to come with me and takes his son to a thrift shop and in this thrift shop is that boat that they had made and so his dad pulls out his wallet and says, this is our boat. And he pays for it again and gives it to his son. God so much loves you that he has paid for it double in our lives. And I want you to pull that in and I want you to bring that into your heart because he is madly and passionately in love with you. As a father is with his children, our heaven. Father loves you immensely. And when he says, make me your Lord, it's not out of an angry, austere position, an absolute ruler who's trying to control you and dom dominate you, but it comes from a friend that says, hey, I know everything. I'm infinite, you're finite, and I know the best for you, and I have plans and purposes for you. And I want you to come to this understanding and invite me into your heart, but not just one time for a salvation experience. I want you to give me ownership in every area of your life. And so how are you doing? Here's how I'm going to conclude. In studying this, I read um, this thing about Peter, and it just resonated in my heart. And uh, you're going to have to give me a, a little liberty here. But I think it's a good exercise. You know that when I teach, I don't want to just give you information. But my hope is that I can give you something practical to take home with you. Okay, and so here's the practical piece. Um, I was reading the story of Peter when God lays out the vision that he's going to open the gospel to the Gentiles. Okay, and I'm going to pick up in chapter 10. I'm going to pick up uh, in verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey, now they is Cornelius. Cornelius, who is a Gentile, uh, has been visited by the Lord and said, go get Peter. So he's sending people to go get Peter. Peter, while they're on their way, Peter goes up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, for Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, I've never seen verse, well, I've, I've seen it, I read it, but it just jumped out to me as I was studying this week. Verse 16, this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. And we know the rest of the story is that Peter then goes to Cornelius and begins to tell the Gentiles about the word of God and the Holy Spirit comes upon them and the disciples are actually amazed that the non-Jew people could be believers and have the spirit again. And all of a sudden, the gospel became known to the entire or available to the entire word, world. And if you're not Jew in here, that's good news for you. Because it means that now that ownership is, is for us. It's not just Jews, it's for all of us, Right? Okay, but here's what I want to pull out of this. Peter, when he sees this vision, his first response was surely not. Surely not. God tells him, 
get up, kill and eat. And he goes, surely not. And this is what resonated in my heart. Where are you today? In different areas and different things in your life. Are you in that surely not? Or are you in the Lord category? I'm going to take what he said, surely not, Lord, and I'm going to break it apart and ask you, where are you? So for instance, in your finances, when it comes to the ownership of your finances, are you surely not? I got it, God. I can do this my own. Or are you, I give you absolute ownership rights, and I will give you my resources and my funds, my money. It's all yours. Owner of everything. No big amen there. Your bank account is owned by who? This room, this side of the room, good. This side of the room, <laughs> nobody said a word. Boy, this is tough. Yes? I can feel the resistance even teaching it. Because I don't want to give it to him. <laughs> but where are you? God comes along through his Holy Spirit and says, I want you to give me your finances. Surely not. Or, yes, Lord. Where are you? And here's really the good news. And again, I didn't see it. But this happened three times to Peter. What is it with Peter and three times? It doesn't say whether he said surely not three times, but I'm guessing he did because it said it happened three times because God needed to convince, hey, you know what? In this process, again, it's a transformation process. If you fail the first time, if you don't succeed, get up and do it again. God, you told me to give you ownership of the finances and I took it and I hoarded it and it was mine. I, I give it back to you. Surely not. Now I'm giving it to you, Lord. And a week later, he asks again, and you're like, no. I, listen, we have a friend and a father that is gracious to us, and he's not going to say, hey, one and done. And if you don't respond to me now, then I'll never speak to you again. That's not how our father works. That might be the, the Lord in the second definition, but it's not the Lord in the first definition. Yes? So grab a hold of this. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I want to um, try something, and it really is just going to be an exercise because, again, I want, I want all of us to be able to take this home. And so the best way to be able to take it home is to actually do it here, okay? So it's going to take a little boldness on your part and a little interaction with you. But what other areas in your life or somebody else's life, maybe that's a better way to do it, um, do you think people struggle giving ownership to Jesus as Lord. What other things? Right here. There's a couple over here. Forgiveness. Oh my gosh. Man. I have to start with that one. Okay. All right. Forgiveness. Hold on before we pass the mic. Hold on. Forgiveness. <sighs> Holy Spirit speaks to you about someone that you need to forgive. I bet he's giving you names right now. Where are you? Surely not. Or Lord. Where are you? Now here comes the bold part. If you're struggling in an area of forgiveness right now in your life, would you lift up your hand so we can pray? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, okay. I'm gonna ask you guys to pray for the other ones, but I'm gonna pray for this one. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And these people that just raised their hand, Lord, I pray that that would be the statement of them giving you ownership in this area. God, I pray that right now, by your Holy Spirit, you would begin to transform their hearts and their minds and that they would never forget what you are speaking to them today and that in this area of forgiveness, you would begin to take the ownership in their life. God, I pray that you would direct them and that you would lead them into what they need to do to forgive the individual or individuals in their lives that they need to forgive. And so, Lord, I pray that you would come on right now and that you would help them to give the ownership in this area of forgiveness over to you. And Lord, we thank you for that in your name. Amen. All right, what's another one?
Relationships. Relationships. In in what way beyond forgiveness and um letting God be in the center of relationships and not trying mm. to control them yourself. Uh, familial relationships, toxic relationships, friendships, um, a relationship that shouldn't be in your life that's causing you to step back or it's causing you to sidestep. Um, just be wanting control of who you have in your life okay. uh, versus God. Okay. All right. Two things actually come to mind that I want to pray about. The first one is, is actual biblical authority. Okay, when it comes to this book, the Word of God, there are people that struggle taking what is in the Word and actually applying it, which I think directly correlates to relationships in some cases because when it says do not be yoked with an unbeliever, or how about this, when it says, hey, you should get married before you live together, this is the authority of the Word of God. Um, where are you? Surely not, or Lord. Okay, real quick, how many of us in this room are struggling taking the word of God in these times and actually taking the authority that it says, the words that it says, and actually saying, okay, that's what I will build on versus other things? Hands up. Okay, all over the room. Somebody pray for this. Who will be the person to pray? I know we didn't have the worship beforehand. But uh, oh. Father, we just bless you right now, God. I pray that you would give us grace to have a reverence for your word, mm -hmm. a reverence yes. for you, Lord. Father, we bless you, God, and I pray that uh, you would just reestablish the, the fear of the Lord and just honor towards you and your word in our lives. We bless you, God. I thank you for releasing grace upon your people. And empowering us, Father, to to fear your word and to honor your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, amen. Church, give ownership of the biblical authority to God. Okay, but then it ties into this. When it comes to giving love and grace and mercy, which is what we're called to do, sometimes what people do is we take this authoritative word and we take it and then we proceed to use it to beat the crud out of somebody. Yes? All right. So when it comes to taking the authority from the word of God and applying it and bringing it with love and grace, where are you? Surely not? Or Lord? How many of you would be willing to admit that I struggle being gracious and compassionate and full of mercy when it comes to certain things that the Word of God speaks up <laughs> all over the room. All right, somebody want to pray for this? Lord, I just thank you that we can come to you um, and we can humble ourselves when it comes to giving grace and love and mercy, whether it be in our marriage with our spouses, Lord or as a parent to our children, or to a friend, or someone in the community, Lord, I thank you that you will just show us and give us wisdom as to how we should speak and act to others, as you would speak and act to us, that you would open our eyes and ears to see how you do it, so that we can then forth give it to our spouses, to our friends, and our family, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, one more. One more thing that would hinder our, um, or an area that we struggle in giving ownership to. Um, the first thing that came to my mind, and, and this is just me, is, um, and probably many parents, is my children and their futures and their success, <laughs> you know. But that could apply to any loved ones that you have that you spend a lot of time worrying about instead of just giving God ownership of their lives and trusting that God's working in their lives. It's mm, really good. All right. When it comes to your kids, God says, I want the ownership over them. Where are you? Surely not. Or Lord. How many struggle parenting their kids? 
Man, who wants to pray for us? <laughs> Lord God, we thank you so much for the blessing of life. We thank you for the, the fact that you know our children's names. their futures. God, you even know the hair on their head. Lord, um, we speak out against fear. We speak out against doubt and hesitation, God, and we welcome your wisdom, God, that as we, as parents, as we with those that have mentorships, God, as we walk in a spirit of authority over these people in our lives, God, that you you would present us with supernatural wisdom, God, that your words would speak out through us, God, that the fear would no longer be there, Jesus, um, that we release control of our children's lives into your hands, God, and we release their futures into your into your hands, God, for you are the master and you are the authority over our lives, God. And we thank you and praise you. Amen. 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 Okay. So do this little exercise because here's, here's, here's the reality of it. It's not hard. It's simply giving space and time to our father and asking him, God, is there an area in my life that I need to give ownership over to you? Pay attention to what your first thought is. Because you know what? It probably will be right from the Lord. Then the enemy will try to talk you out of that. Oh, no, I do that good. Mm. Do you? Wrestle with that. Determine that. And then go, okay, Lord, I give you ownership in this area. And begin to profess it, begin to pray it, and ask him what you need to do in order to give that ownership. I just put in the notes, how about salvation? Salvation is an ownership issue. Do you control your life? Or do you allow God to speak his truth and what he did through Jesus Christ? And so if you are here today and you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, I want to strongly encourage you. And I want to let you know with all of my heart, you have a father that absolutely cares and loves for you. He knows the number of hair on your head. And he wants a walking, talking relationship with you. And the simple fact is all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And I want relationship with you. And when you do that, he comes in and begins to own that area of your life. And it's not a bad thing. It's such a good thing. It's such a good thing because he has the best intended for you. How about this one, religious dogma? Surely not. Or Lord. Uh, Prayer. You know, God wants us to communicate with him. Surely not. Or Lord. When I ask this room, who will pray? Surely not. (laughs) Or Lord. Hey, I make light of that, but here's the truth. If you can't pray in a room of family members that love you and care for you, how are you going to do it out here? How are you going to do it out here? So when I ask you to get involved and interact, surely not, or yes, Lord. We have to get used to doing these things in a group where it's familiar and safe so that we can go do it out in the world. How about this? Um, Marriage. Surely not, or Lord. God, I will ask you to come and take ownership of my marriage, and I will do what you tell me to do, and I will stop projecting it onto my spouse. But I will only take care of what you tell me to do. I give you ownership. Relationships. Uh, (laughs) How about this one? Church involvement. Surely not, or Lord. Finances, addictions. Last one, and then we'll transition. Baptism. Baptism. Surely not, or Lord. You know, here's the truth. 
You don't have to be baptized in order to be saved, but it is something that in the Bible it speaks of over and over and that when somebody came to this relationship with the Lord, one of the things they did to give ownership to God is that they would get baptized, which symbolizes the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, the death of your old and coming out a new person in Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.27 says, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's a clothing. It's a putting on Jesus as Lord. Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Church, it is a symbolism. It's a, it's a uh, public profession that Jesus is Lord in your life. Okay? Now, um, we happen to have a baptismal right here. It's amazing. And I know we've been announcing it the last couple weeks, but here's what happened. Everybody who got baptized signed up last night. And so we have no one on the slate for baptism today. But if the Lord would speak to you, we actually have, my wife will be over at this table over here, we actually have a shirt, we have shorts for you. And so during this first song, if you are feeling the Holy Spirit tell you that you should get baptized, then let's do it. Let's give that area of ownership over to the Lord. Just go see my wife, get a pair of shorts, get a shirt, go change, and after the first song, we will baptize you. Um, if we don't have anybody that feels that way, we're just going to go into worship and just give God glory. We're going to worship Jesus as Lord. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you so much for the fact that you are a loving Father, a friend to all of us, and yet you are the owner that exercises absolute ownership rights. And so, Lord, I pray that you would take all of my um, inefficiencies and that you, by your Holy Spirit, would make them very real to every person that has heard this message. Lord, I pray that we would be incredibly good at giving ownership of areas of our life over to you. God, help us be good and quick at this. God, pinpoint certain areas in all of our lives that we need to get over to you. And then, Lord, speak clearly what we need to do and how we need to do it so that we make you Lord of those areas in our, in our life. Lord, we thank you again that this is a process, that you're not act, asking us to be perfect today, but you are asking us to join you in this process of being transformed into being more Christ-like. And so, Lord, we thank you once again for the ownership that you have given uh, us the understanding of. And, Lord, I pray that we would never see you as the authoritative owner, though you are, but that we would see you as the one that has paid for our lives. And come at this with an understanding that we are so grateful for what you have done for us. Lord, we thank you for these things. In your name, amen.